I'm sorry. There are very specific legislators in Harrisburg where everyone knows what they've done, but somehow conveniently the records don't exist and people won't talk. And those people are serving. And there are people who are really a whole lot fucking better than them who could be serving in those seats, but aren't. But it never comes out. I wonder if it has anything to do with those NDAs. Looks like you're speaking from experience. No, no, no. Yes, yes. There's fucking creeps everywhere. And it just really pisses me off that there are amazing young people who could be changing the world, working in these jobs, getting to learn how things work in legislative offices. And and they can't because they can't because we're going to be paying off our student loans until we're fucking skeletons. People can't work for that little. They can't and be taken seriously. There's no way. Unless like, what do you have to sacrifice to be able to take that job? What are you sacrificing? You know, like your own, your integrity, your ability to work in a place where you're not going to be harassed. Like you just, you can't, you can't possibly be getting the best and the brightest all the time when you're paying them fucking dandelion leaves. Like this is not (laughs) the way to live. Hello sisters and welcome. Grab a familiar and a drink and cozy up by a bubbling cauldron and join us for this meeting of the Sisters of the Night Caucus. So say hello, sisters. Hey, it's me, Jillian. Laura Burke. I'm Katie Bloom. Oh, and Shanna's here, Shanna Danielson. Yes. Um, Today on the show, we will be talking with State Senator Amanda Capaletti. But first, some Twitter nonsense and celebrating a very special, in three days, 40th birthday of our lovely founding coven member, the esteemable Jillian Kratzer, who enjoyed a Pittsburgh famous bakery Prantles burnt almond torch birthday cake a little while ago. I did, and it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Like it was it's very good it's a religious experience you guys you should have it always yes you, you haven't do that and a, a pittsburgh western pennsylvania themed birthday with you know pierogies kielbasa mm-hmm. uh chip dip that's really good that i don't remember the name of whatever it's Is called it schneider's 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 yeah, schneider's yeah so we're having a wonderful 40th birthday weekend in person So now we will go to the bracket winners. Many of you participated in the Twitter poll. Oh, it was so good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, we all knew from the outset that State Senator Doug Mastriano was going to run away with the Senate side because he's, um, you know, he's not doing a, a QAnon event he's not no he's not and they used his name and image without his permission you guys so like that's serious stuff but he is doing a fundraiser with rudy giuliani i don't know i what do you say anymore i mean what how do you even respond to that yeah Yeah. rudy maybe he'll come sweating poop again i mean (laughs) no need to liven things up around here you know i mean maybe you know next week he's gonna show up in the state capitol with some weird like headdress thing and you know try to take over the rostrum or something i don't know it seems right up his alley why not yeah (laughs) republicans do like to take over the senate rostrum that is a favorite pastime of theirs so 
They do. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, the real contest was for the state house and um, Daryl Metcalf pulled it out in the end. He knocked out Aaron Bernstein. He knocked out Stephanie Borowitz. Actually, Stephanie Borowitz knocked out Aaron Bernstein. Yes. To be- Russ Diamond. Russ Diamond. Daryl Metcalf knocked out Russ Diamond. Master of the racist dog whistles during Master of the Judiciary Committee meetings about yeah. gerrymandering. How much um, of that do you think is because Daryl Metcalf has spent the last several sessions making a national disgraceful name I for really, himself? Yeah. And like also maybe like a tiny little bit of people didn't think a woman could be as bad, but like maybe they just don't know. The misogyny. You know, it's the yeah. misogyny for me. Stephanie Borowitz should have had it. She is just as awful as any man, if not more so. But Equality. misogyny. The misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. Misogyny. I mean, I will say not to like defend Daryl Metcalf, but he has spent a lot of time building a brand as a person who does not care about his community at all, but somehow keeps managing to get reelected and is like hanging out with white nationalists, not white supremacists, you guys, it's different. He told us so, you know, so, okay, fine. I think it's but, really generous okay, wait, of you to call him but, a human. That was so sweet of you. That's kind of me. He's I'm had generous. more of a platform. He's been in office longer. This yes. is Stephanie Borowitz's second term. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was it, Uh, two, three days ago, she issued a statement regarding her co-sponsor memo seeking support for her legislation that would exclude firearms and ammunition purchases from Pennsylvania's sales and use tax. Because the state and federal constitution say that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be questioned or infringed, whatever, right? Okay, fine. But this includes not only our state sales tax, which the state legislature actually has something to do with, uh, or local tax, but also those imposed by the federal uh, alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau. Like, Um, I don't think that our state legislature has the authority to um, stop paying taxes to the feds. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing might not be a thing, but here's a question, as we all know that I am a rural Pennsylvanian and one of those people who's so far left, they own guns. Yeah. Um, my husband's a different story. Yeah, cool. uh, we'll have a therapy pod one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I own guns and I have bought ammunition and I kind of don't notice the sales tax, but here's the thing. Here is okay. where our legislature screws up. Mm-hmm. If you are going to have a sales tax, maybe you don't agree with it because you're weird because of guns and whatever. At least can we have the sales tax like pay for the upkeep of state game lands where we use the firearms to go hunting? That would make some sense. Sure. I'd be okay with designated uses for that sales tax. But I'm kind of concerned that, you know. I mean, look, sales taxes are inequitable. I'll I give mean, Stephanie Borowitz that. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong, but you know she's not doing it for She's not know. doing it for equity reasons. No. We know, we know. No, 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 no. But anyway, back to my original point, because that yeah. was the Stephanie Borowitz news locally of the week. Yeah. Um, she still, still has no problem with the fact she took pictures with white nationalists in the Capitol Rotunda in 2019 and gave that incredible 
incredibly, incredibly, and I will just say inappropriate prayer, anti-Muslim prayer, mm -hmm. the day Movita was getting sworn in. Yeah. As the first Muslim woman to be sworn in to the state house. Disgusting. But so. can we just say though, by the way, on those pictures that Stephanie Borowitz does not care that happened, shout out to Sean Kitchen because he does great photography <laughs> in Harrisburg and has truly captured some of the finest moments of legislative shenanigans. Yes, yes. Those so are anyway, good. Those... And the one where there's that lady like cutting oh, the, the hair. The one where the lady's getting a haircut that. with like a street yeah. razor or something. That's terrifying. Yeah. Unhinged. Harrisburg is a weird too. place. Yeah. Don't go there, everyone. Stay away. <laughs> Wait, didn't never mind. It's okay. yes. 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 <laughs> and no. Mm -hmm. So then that is our bracket. And we thank everybody for participating. Also, you know, our congressional bracket we did prior to that that was the reason we did the state legislature. And Scott Perry obviously yeah. ran away with that bracket. Yeah. Shocking. I will tell you one thing I learned from these brackets though, is this, is that I'm gonna need all of you to pay more attention to who your legislators are and which level of government they're in, um, what house of legislature, <laughs> et cetera, um, just if you could. There may or may not have been some comments on our Twitter that asked for Congress people to be included in the state legislative brackets. So if you learn anything from this podcast, please learn about the different levels of representation. It's true. And if you have questions, you can always ask. We're happy to answer. We're happy to answer. We're nerds. Yeah. Add us on Twitter. It'll be fine. It'll, it, we, we never roast yeah. people unless you're a mediocre white man. Yeah, it's true. Then we'll roast your ass. Mm -hmm. Um, the next thing I believe we had to touch on was our scratch and sniff sticker and you. Yeah. So listen, last episode, um, if you will recall, we talked about, um, Angela, who's not with us today, um, wondered, uh, because we have a sticker right now because we've recently started a Patreon. And if you join our Patreon before May 25th, you can get a free Sisters of the Night Caucus sticker. It's very cute. Um, it was designed by Lindsay, Lindsay Drew. And here's the thing, Angela posited if our sticker is, was scratch and sniff, what would it smell like? And I think we got some really good responses. Um, Emily, who is indeed one of ours, um, said it, she thought pine, a little toasted marshmallow, hints of bourbon and vanilla, with a, tins, with a tinge of cat's breath, um, which is a busy scent. <laughs> and I don't know what it says about us. Um, That's like my weekends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's very, that is very you. Um, Sean Kitchen said salty tears. I don't know what tears smell like. Tears of the men we crush after we squeeze their balls into oblivion. Yeah, but I mean like, again, um, I don't want any ball smell associated with our. Oh, sticker. good point. We don't want. We don't want hard pass. Um, campfire and booze. Also, my weekend, which is a very we like it. Um, scorched earth and pierogies. That was from Kristen Shelton. We I mean, that. I think we're doing that right now. We're doing it right <laughs> now. We just had pierogies today. We're gonna scorch the entire earth. And uh, finally, fucking hope and whiskey. Also my weekend. Totally. There's a commonality to the things that happen on her weekends. You, like her what? Yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah. Um, it is Jillian's 40th birthday celebratory weekend. Mm -hmm. So she really wants to dive into this topic, which I had the pleasure or displeasure of learning about last night, because we all know I need to do better on Twitter. And Jillian, why don't you, why don't you kick it off? Charles Peruto Jr. Just the man who is running for district attorney of Philadelphia in the primary against Larry Krasner. I did not know, like I knew that he was being, um, I knew that the primary was contested, um, but I had not been confronted with the person himself. And I truly, and we'll put the link in the show notes because this is how committed to it I am. Um, you got to check out his campaign website, which I personally, I'm not joking, would like to know who his staff is. I want to know. Um, so I'd be surprised if he has staff. I would be surprised too, based on having looked at the website, because in the about me section, there is a portion that is called the girl in the bathtub. My bathtub. Oh, Not sorry. Yes. Bathtub. My bathtub. That's the, it's the girl in my bathtub. And like, here's the thing. Okay. So setting aside what that is actually about, like he doesn't ever explain why the bathtub part, like she died Does, in the bathtub. No, she died. Wait, did she die in his bathtub? His bathtub. She died oh in his bathtub. I did read it, but like, listen, it was so psychotically insane that I couldn't. Yes. I couldn't like no. wrap my brain around she it. She died in his bathtub. That's... But as a point of clarification, he's yeah. actually, I believe, running on the Republican ticket. Krasner, Krasner does have a primary against oh, another it's not, guy. It's not the same guy. It's not the same guy. It's very confusing. Guy. It is very confusing. This guy who who had a woman die in his bathtub and then wrote like a live journal post about it as his campaign <laughs> website is running as a Republican. It so really we'll is have, like a live journal post. We'll have many more months to enjoy him, but- I'm but, excited. Yeah, not the guy in Krasner's primary, I think. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I don't live in Philly, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to clarify that. Yeah, I'm gonna break with convention. Amanda, would you like to add anything? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, Shanna is right. The person running against Krasner in the primary is Carlos Vega. And oh, that's right. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. A level of toxic masculinity going on there. That's an issue. Yeah. yeah. That hot mic at the debate this week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not the same guy. He did not kill a woman in his bathtub. Well, and alle yeah, alle hey, allegedly. No, he did not allegedly. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't even home. He wasn't home. So the the woman expired, his word, not mine, his, his bathtub, <laughs> while he was somewhere else. He turned his phone over to the police and they were able to establish that he was not there and that he tried to, was trying to get in touch with her and that he mm -hmm. came home and was very cooperative. Um, and that she, her, I think her BAC was 0.45. Yes. Three exclamation um, points. When you read was... it, he mentions her BAC was 0.45. Three exclamation points at the end of that sentence um, on a professional campaign website. Yes. Yeah. So, and there were security cameras that apparently showed she was the only person there and, and on and on. But yeah, I mean, the woman in the tub. Yes. The woman in the bathtub and half of the about me section is really devoted to her. And my favorite part. Yeah. My very favorite part mm -hmm. is that he makes a point 
of talking about how difficult it is to wash off hand or fingerprint powder when it has been used in your apartment because he had to clean up after the investigation and it what was apparently very trying is there a lifetime him. movie about this there is a <laughs> lifetime movie about that, there literally is a lifetime movie about it is that easier to clean up than the expired woman in the bathtub for fuck's sake <laughs> he's more upset about the fingerprint dust it was a trying time he has an arch enemy. That, this is, yeah. I was going there next. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, I think my second favorite part is that he talks about how he had pledged to fight his bitter enemy. And mm-hmm. I forget the man's name, but the DA at the time. Yeah. Um, he was going to fight him in public in front of his office with spectators. Yeah. So that there wouldn't be shenanigans, you know, it'd be a like, clean fight and yeah. be witnesses. MMA yeah. kind of thing. I, I don't, I, I mean, based on the, the age of the gentleman and his look, I would guess like a classic, like, you know, boxing. a classic boxing sort of moment, like Queensbury rules or whatnot. Yeah. No brass knuckles. No brass knuckles um this is ridiculous but also like so philly (laughs) like is gritty gonna be the one like um as like refereeing the fight because like i think that is that's a missed opportunity for him i want to see this like if gritty were if gritty were refereeing this whole thing i'd actually pay money for it yeah and so like the cherry on the cake though is that his campaign video is like 35 minutes long 30 35 35 minutes it's not it's not an ad it is 35 minutes during which he like does the sort of very classic um this has not come through pods are not a visual medium but like he does the classic like italian like under the chin like fuck you uh thing and um people who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about and the rest of you can just figure it out um but also like he has a moment where like he's uh pretends that he's high where he like waves his arms around which is like classically what you do when you're high um you just wave your arms around and make funny faces um but it is obviously given his misspelling of the word opioid he misspelled the word opioid folks <laughs> like how do you <laughs> opioid or opioid that's what he thinks when you're on drugs you go like yeah one of those like car lot you know wavy tunes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who cannot see because this is not visual you do not want to know the motions i was just it's making. she looked really it was weird bad. Now, yeah. it was bad um so yeah that's um that is my current favorite topic i um i'm really excited about the gifts that have been generated from <laughs> from that video <laughs> i might make a few of my own because they just like genuinely they're so great it's like and by great i mean horrifying truly tragic and horrifying and so yeah we, I, I we got to stop talking about this because it's like you're gonna be on it for three hours i will be don't. on it for three hours so well, we should do the next thing then we should do the next thing yeah so officially 
officially, even though we broke protocol, what the fuck ever. Um, I mean, it's like rules, they're meant to be broken. Uh, I will officially introduce our very special guest for today, uh, State Senator Amanda Cavaletti. Uh, she has been said that she is always willing to lend a hand to those who need it the most. She is an attorney who also holds a master's in public health. She has been working to advance progressive policy in Harrisburg, so we stand. Mm -hmm. um, prior to being elected to the state Senate, she worked with Representative Donna Bullock, uh, worked with the ACLU of Pennsylvania, uh, was given, was one of the first folks awarded a William Penn Fellowship through the governor's office. Nice was an advocate at the Office of Child Development and Early Learning, did some work at the Department of Human Services, and also has most recently served as Director of Public Policy for Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Too many Ps. Policy, Planned Parenthood, Pennsylvania. I suddenly forgot every single word that started with the letter P, but yes. Yes, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Whew, got we it. do that, but we can't say Planned Parenthood. I, I don't know it. why I could. Hi, me. Amanda. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Why are you handing this to me? I'm handing you the list of questions. Like, I kind of wrote them, so now you can reference them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm taking over from here. It is, birthday, so. <laughs> it is your birthday, so. It is your birthday. You are wearing a tiara. I'm wearing a tiara, literally. Yeah. I mean, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, listen, State Senator Amanda Cavaletti, I, that CV just blew my whole mind. What don't you do? Um, I don't do, I don't know. I try to do a little bit of it. I've been with people that like to know a, a little about a lot of things. So ah, I, yeah, we, we love that here. Different areas. Well, here's, here's a question. We just talked about this um, in my workplace earlier in the week. If you woke up tomorrow with a new skill, like just magically woke up with a new skill tomorrow, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to say it has to be in like the technology world. So my brother has like a bajillion degrees in technology. Like, I don't know what the hell he does. And I'm always going to him to talk to him about tech policy because it is so frustrating as the youngest member in the state Senate that many of them, I won't say all of them, many of them really don't understand the policy implications of like, I'm just throwing this out there. We don't need to get into it. For exemptions for data centers. Well, do you understand that like traditional data centers are not the wave of the future? That's actually we're past that. We should be looking forward into where tech is coming. And if you want to um, bring the best and the brightest here to Pennsylvania, you should demonstrate that you understand where the tech industry is going by investing in that industry itself instead of in data centers that nobody's really looking at anymore. So, so I want big I, I feel like that's too high of a bar for them. I mean, that's we love it. I'm not going to lie. I, I do feel like that's a pretty, pretty high bar for many of my colleagues, we'll say. Yeah. There we go. Um, Trying to. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, there's lots of other policies. Mm -hmm. 
you have had a whole pile of uh, women's health and reproductive rights co-sponsor mm -hmm. memos introduced. Would you like to tell us about several of those? Um, sure. So, uh, you can make me a page that comes up with these great ideas of things we should be looking into and doing. And I'm like, yes, run with that. I'd love to tell you I'm the grandchild and most of what I'm saying here. That would be false. Um, do not ever underestimate the fact that works for pieces of paper for us um, because they are really the people who get things done. Uh, most recently, I would say we put out um, the protections for pregnant workers, because right now in Pennsylvania, being a pregnant person in the workplace is incredibly difficult. Most places, uh, specifically in the hospital, in like the retail industry, the hospitality service type industry, you know, asking for ba basic accommodations can lead to you losing your job, like key breaks more often. Yeah. And, and in case you don't know what it's like to be a pregnant person, and I don't actually know what it's like to be a pregnant person, but I know a lot of them. And they've told me you pee a lot more often when you've got something growing on top of your bladder. So True fact. True fact. Uh, we would like to see something like that uh, passed so that you were not discriminated against simply because you were pregnant. Um, uh, we've Especially about because being pregnant isn't your fault. Someone did that to you. <laughs> you should be held accountable for that. <laughs> That, that is so true, Shanna. I think about that because when we're talking about reproductive health, it always comes down to discriminating against women and people who can become pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. And like at the end of the day, it takes two. So you, white male, should, well, maybe not white, but you know, more often than not, the people who are voting against these things are white males yeah. to create these things. Um, should you know have to have some kind of repercussions to it too and like we just don't we have a society that rewards male sexuality and the second it becomes about a woman or a non-binary individual it is completely different what we're talking about how we talk about it and it's so freaking frustrating that is true and i do want to lift up also because i'm so and i'm so glad that you phrased it this way but you said women and people who can become pregnant. Um, and I think not everybody necessarily understands why it's good to use that terminology. Can you tell us why you do? Oh, absolutely. So I will 1000% credit my time with Planned Parenthood on really learning about inclusive language and uh, gender fluidity and the fact that not everybody who is able to become pregnant necessarily identifies as a woman. Uh, gender. So we want to non-genderize the fact that pregnancy happens and talk about people who can become pregnant, gender non-conforming individuals, even trans individuals. We saw, I mean, I remember, I don't even know how long ago it was when Oprah was still around, right? That there was yeah. a trans man who could become pregnant and followed through with the pregnancy and, you know, went through that whole process and it was a whole uproar. But at the end of the day, that man was be able to become pregnant because of a certain bi bi uh, biology uh, mm -hmm. issues that you know they haven't changed through getting um, gender conforming or gender affirming surgeries. Mm -hmm. So you know everybody's different, and it's really for me it's really important that the language that I use it when I'm speaking to people in my legislation and my co-sponsorship memos is just acknowledges that 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 um, spectrum exists and that we include those people because those people exist and they deserve the same rights and support as everyone else. 
love that. I just pictured like Russ Diamond's head exploding. It just did. Cool. Can we make that happen? <laughs> done. Done, done, done. <laughs> um, I am, I'm also interested in hearing about, um, you know, we have here that I'm not sure if it's part of a bill that you introduced um, it, about the shackling of pregnant incarcerated individuals. Yeah, so that's a very specific bill. Um, I want to say maybe 2010, maybe a, not quite that far ago, uh, there was some work done to prevent the shackling of pregnant individuals in that are incarcerated. Right. Because that was a practice that was happening. And that is incredible. Not only is it like demoralizing and demeaning to the person giving birth, yeah. but it's also incredibly dangerous for the actual physical health of that person, as well as the child. So there was a bill that was passed. Um, and basically it says you shall not shackle pregnant people past the second trimester or something like that, except you know, when an individualized uh, determination has been made by the, you know, prison staff, the appropriate prison staff. Well, that seems overly ambiguous. Yeah, no, that basically leaves it open for, hey, don't shackle pregnant people, just kidding, you can. Yeah, um, if you, but unless you want to, if you want to though, then go ahead. Yeah, that, that's, pr that's pretty much how it's played out, right? So the Women's Law Project, uh, which is a, statewide organization that really fights for uh, for reproductive, or, well, all kinds of uh, things that affect women and uh, the LGBTQ community, as well as uh, gender nonconforming, really in engendering all of those things, really fights for policies that supports uh, everyone that, that's wrapped up into kind of those labels, right? They, they've been working to put together legislation and, and help support legislation that really gets at the root of the issue to prevent the shackling of pregnant people. So I know that uh, Rep. Mary Jo Daly in the House has uh, put out a bill on their side and I was asked if I would do a companion bill and I was like, absolutely, because it, it, the damage that is done and what we say incarceration is supposed to be and what we're actually doing with incarcerated people are on completely different ends of the spectrum. And I'm gonna fight to make sure that people are healthy and safe within the uh, jail system and the prison systems here in Pennsylvania. So I, I'm gonna ask a quick question of our wonderful resident county commissioner who is on this pod, but like also recognizing she's not the commissioner who's the liaison for the county prison, so whatever. So I'm just curious if, if you could tell us a little bit about like what county, I mean, obviously like, there's the state prisons and things like that, but what happens on a county level with pregnant women? Um, and I already whispered in here that I won't, will not know the answer to her question. Um, so all, yeah, all three commissioners are on prison board, but then we have one commissioner who's the liaison. And actually something that our um, district attorney and I have been talking about is creating subcommittees of the prison board so that more of us can get more information about what is happening in our county prisons. Um, on a variety of topics. Um, so that's something that hopefully we're going to be talking about more seriously um, soon. But we have, I, I don't know the answer to your question. I know we have very few um, female inmates um, compared to males. Um, and I'm honestly not sure 
how frequently I'm sure that it's happened that we've had, um, you know, individuals who are pregnant, um, but I don't really know. What, what from from both of your perspectives, what's the best way for women's health advocates or reproductive health advocates to get involved? Like, is I mean, obviously, calling about this legislation, like we all know, we can totally dial up grassroots support for it, but like. Can we have people write letters to commissioners, things like that, like advocate at both levels of government? Because I think this is really critical because like we, we need just need prison reform altogether. But this is something. Um, I guess I can answer. I mean, I know just from my at my level at the county, things that pop into mind are coming to prison board meetings, which are public meetings. Um, we have a call in option currently for COVID. So if you don't want to come in person, um, we have an active prison society, so bringing that up as an issue with prison society and getting involved um, with them certainly could be effective. And then, um, yeah, we do, you know, we accept letters and emails as the commissioners, um, which, you know, have varying levels of people responding to them. Um, I try to provide a response anytime anyone contacts me about anything, whether it's positive or negative. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I think it, there's always the weird people, but I think, I mean, I think, I do think there is a decent chance that, um, at least with respect to the prison board that I am a part of, um, most of the people who are members have probably never thought about it. So I think bringing it up could definitely. An be easy way to be an activist in a more red County. And I'm assuming Amanda that like keep those calls going, tell people to support, tell people to co-sponsor is gonna be really helpful for you? Absolutely, I think that that's critical. I also think, I think it's critical to get involved with some of the organizations who help to push for these things, right? Um, I know that there's, it, there's a whole host of advocacy organizations from across the state that come together called the uh, Campaign for Women's Health. And it's everything from Planned Parenthood to your local, uh, the local level organizations, um, there's, I can't remember, like there are so many organizations that are involved, like Access Matters is a nonprofit that's involved and does a lot of fighting for reproductive health. Um, you know, there are sometimes representatives from Moms Demand Action on there because, uh, you know, we are all fighting towards very specific and certain goals. And when, you know, something comes up about a firearm legislation, you know, Moms Demand Action is a part of that. And then, you know, Planned Parenthood and these other organizations recognize the importance of that legislation on the communities that they're seeking to support and protect. So don't underestimate getting involved with, you know, a local organization uh, that is about a topic issue that's really important to you because there's a lot of crossover. People often work together and you can find other ways to get involved and to help press for legislation that you wanna see, including this very specific one uh, about um, not shackling pregnant people and uh, while they're giving birth or in any trimester at all of, of their pregnancy. So um, yeah, getting involved because they will help you know coordinate coming to Harrisburg, talking to you, how to talk to your county commissioners or, um, you know, if it's a private, I think we only have one privately held prison and that one's actually, one privately held jail and that one's actually being turned public. So yeah, they'll, they'll help you connect because they, they've got the resources to know how to do it and, and where, where and when to show up and they'll send you the information at, or you can talk to them about how to get that information and they'll put it as a priority. So 
I think don't underestimate being involved with local organizations like like those. Oh, thank you guys. And sorry, like I glommed onto this issue only because shackling people who are pregnant is not something that automatically comes to people's minds, right? Yeah. Like it is a simple thing that can be changed that is actual justice and actually helpful when people are like, you see these major issues like healthcare or reproductive rights in general or whatever, but like even just these small things can make a substantial step. So I'm sorry for my digression on this topic. I don't know why. Go on, birthday girl. Why are you apologizing? Because it's internalized misogyny. Go on. Okay, well, I'm just, no. Um, okay, listen, here's, I want to know about the creation of the Me Too in the PA General Assembly. So I don't know exactly how all of that got started other than my uh, predecessor. So for those of you who don't know, I ran a campaign against um, what was generally considered to be a safe democratic seat incumbent um, who's, if you look at the votes, um, you would be like, why, why are we challenging this person? Um, and uh, we challenge that person because it's really important, I think, for me and so many others, as is evident by the way that the election went, that we not only hold Republicans accountable for bad behavior, but when bad behavior happens within our own party, we're going to hold that person accountable too. Yes. And ensuring that it's not just about the way you vote, right? Our legislators, the people we vote for, it's not just that they're going to vote the right way, it's that they're going to treat their staff with dignity and respect. They're going to treat their constituents with dignity and respect, which through the campaign trail, I heard from plenty of people phone banking and texting and things like that, that uh, that was not the case with my predecessor. Hmm. Um, and I, I really, that, that became my platform, right? That I'm not running because his, his votes were bad. I was running because he treated people poorly and in a way that was congruent with the Me Too movement as was evident by senators, uh, so, some of the senators in the Democratic, colleague, uh, the, the Democratic caucus speaking out against um, against my predecessor and what they had to say and the ways that that impacted them. And I believe the word that often gets used is you know, the fact that some of the uh, women in the caucus felt very uncomfortable because they had to share a caucus room with a predator and that's not okay. No. So that spurred a whole movement on figuring out what do we do to hold this person accountable and that's really what pushed me to do what I what I did is we need to hold people accountable for their behaviors. I don't care how you vote and I don't care what party you're a part of. If you're doing anything that's remotely related to the Me Too movement, get the hell out of here. You don't belong in office. Yeah, and I am looking at, I mean, this is a co-sponsor memo. Um, Senator Collette, Muth, Williams, Carney, Sanicero, yourself, Kamita, Kane, Saval, like this is an amazing crew of people standing up and everyone on here. I mean, uh, Steve was a, a state rep. Carolyn was a state rep. 
um, but you're all reasonably new senators. So I think like everybody who is in partway through or just into their first term standing up to have legislation to hold legislators accountable is pretty motherfucking badass. Love it. Uh, adore it. Mm -hmm. But just so our listeners know, this would ban the use of non-disclosure agreements, which mask the names of the General Assembly who are accused of harassment if the complaint is credible, require that credibly accused members be held accountable to the taxpayers, and repay any settlements that were paid with taxpayer dollars. That seems like a big one. Yo. And uh, incredibly ethical to do. Yeah. Uh, establishing procedures for keeping investigations, prosecutions, and anything that's um, adjudication, keeping those functions all separate, um, establishing new procedures for enacting temporary, I cannot talk today, I'm sorry y'all, temporary regulations to facilitate the implementation and combining settlement provisions with provisions relating to source of payment, liability, et cetera, um, combining those things, and then a whole bunch of other technical kinds of things to the bill. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. And as a taxpayer, and I think everybody on this podcast, um, I think everybody on this podcast has experienced even the smallest bit of harassment at some point. Um, that I think as a taxpayer, it's really thrilling. And I think that's something that could easily get substantial bipartisan support. Like I'm really shocked. Oh wait, no, I'm not. <laughs> Mediocre white men, what am I saying? I was gonna say like, did you just say bipartisan support? Shh. Are you and insane? I, no, but when you think about the voters, think about voters, right? Forget who's actually serving in the legislature. But when you think about the voters, mm -hmm. my, moronic, um, lovely husband um, would be for this because he's going to sit there and he's going to bitch and moan that his tax dollars are being used for some legislator's lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the bipartisan bit. It's the voters. Mm -hmm. You know, this, I don't understand. I don't, I don't think most people actually know or understand the fact that my predecessor and anybody else who is, you know, and there are plenty, plenty of them that have been accused of harassment, sexual harassment specifically, all kinds of things. And they go into a lawsuit and many of these men have these lawsuits that then go to a settlement and then there's an NDA. So that's a non-disclosure, right? And what I actually for a long time didn't know that. And I, I'm, you know, a fairly well-educated individual that's involved and in, been involved in politics for some time. Like I didn't realize that our taxpayer money was actually not only paying for these lawsuits, but paying for the settlements that go into the, that goes, go to the victims. Like I'm going to call it what it is. The victims of, of this harassment they get this money. It's all taxpayer money. It's not the person. They're not suing the individual person. The caucus, whichever caucus, covers it. The taxpayer money covers it. So what are the taxes you're paying? Paying to keep some woman quiet who was saying that Senator X, Y, and Z sexually harassed me. Well, she's got money now and can't speak. And that senator gets to continue to be a senator. And none of his constituents know what really happened or that this even happened. 
And that's crap. That's bullshit. Like, there's no reason for that. I'm so sick of protecting not even mediocre men. General, I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what your votes are. When you do something wrong and you're wasting taxpayer money to protect yourself so you can keep your power, that's bullshit and it needs to stop. Yeah. Fire. Fire. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because we know right now in the legislature and, okay, in the Senate, these three, more, more people, in the house, I can think of seven, eight, going nine people, right? And this is not like necessarily constituents. This is people in the building, staffers who experience things, both parties. Mm-hmm. And it boggles my mind. I have a new hire and I am petrified to ever take her in the building lobbying with me because she is a very nice young woman. And I feel like predators are gonna be like, ooh, fresh meat. And now I'm scared to take her to work with me. No, it. I mean, you. I, honestly, you should be. I'm not even gonna pretend like that's not a thing. You absolutely should be. I can very specifically remember when I decided to run, there was a person in my life at the time who had been a lobbyist in some fashion or another throughout the years sharing stories about my predecessor and just how gross that person was and like how uncomfortable that person made her and then like talking about like but he's not the only one and sharing stories of how others have made like I don't know why it's okay to make women feel uncomfortable why is it okay to make women and non-binary people feel uncomfortable doing their job in like ever but specifically when doing their job they are there to do a job like get the hell out of here it is not okay do you understand that in the private sector your ass would be fired and gone because you are a liability but because somehow somebody determined elected individuals are just so special and protected which is bullshit that we get we can get away with almost anything and we can hide it with taxpayer money like it's just mind-boggling who made these rules oh wait (laughs) (laughs) well so here's just a question because i'm going to ask ask the nerdy shit does this does the protection all fall back onto like a general liability protection that legislators have when they just enact laws no, so it, it, it's the rules of the caucus, the, the rules of the Senate that we get to enact. It's, it's the rules of the, the caucuses that we get to enact. Like each caucus has their own set of rules and then the Senate has their own set of rules. And same thing with the House. And like when it's the overall Senate rules, it's something we all vote on. And if you actually look this past year, I believe the way we voted on most of the rules demonstrates that we're really tired of these rules that prop up, you know, Republicans and and men with bad behavior and and kind of hidden, hide things in all of these ways. Like, we're just tired of it. And by we, I think it's the new, really, and this isn't to disparage some of the other colleagues who have been there longer that I do like, um, but like, especially the younger people, like we're in this. And part of the reason that we got in this is because we're so tired of the way it's always been. And it shouldn't be that way. 
And we know it doesn't have to be that way if we just fight hard enough, which, you know, unfortunately, election season, that was a whole thing. Um, but, you know, we're just, we're not going to stop fighting and bringing a voice and laying it on the table and pointing out how hypocritical and awful this is. And it's not about party at this point. It's just about holding people who behave poorly accountable. Like, we have to hold them accountable for those behaviors. Just because you were elected doesn't have access to XYZ amount of money or protections that whatever we pass, like that's not okay. Again, I go back to, we hold our, we should be holding our public officials to almost a higher standard than we do in the private sector. And yet we're getting away with so much more in the public sector simply because of these hidden protections that we have and the ability to, fight, to, to use NDAs and, and pay people off with taxpayer money. Whereas in the private sector, your ass is gone because you're a liability and the entire company could go down because of it. So we, is the factor of paying out all of this money associated with NDAs and all of this great stuff, the whole reason why nobody in the state legislature ever even starts at $15 an hour when they're staff? I mean, that could, that could totally be it. I mean, there's a lot of factors that might be going into that, but that could certainly play into it, Katie. I think, I, I think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Listen. Well, I, Shan, Shanna's got some things to say about this. Yeah, Shanna. Oh, I don't know whose fault it is. It's the man, right? We'll just blame the man. But I saw a job posting for like constituent services or like an office manager for someone in the house uh, in the Democratic caucus. And it's the starting salary was less than $30,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't, you can't get that job unless you have someone who can pay your bills for you or unless you have no student debt and no, you, like normal people cannot take jobs like that to get into politics, to, to learn the ropes, you know, to, to change the system from the inside. People can't do that because they can't afford to work for that little um and so yeah it would be really fucking infuriating if the reason that they can't afford to pay people a living wage is because they're too busy getting their dick wet um but then again men i mean look what you said right there shanna is like i I, again i i'm not going to disclose specific information but i was very cognizant when offering my staff money and i stole a few people from the house let me tell you and i was like oh Okay. And I understand that like this, the budget for those people, for, for people in the house looks very different than what my budget looks like. And I I, am very cognizant of that. So I don't necessarily blame those reps, but there is something wrong in the system that the reps can only offer $28,000 a year or less like no, you can't, you cannot survive on all of that. And yes, you have to have a partner that supports you if that's what you're doing. And they have to believe in the message that you're going through. I mean, like, I'm incredibly lucky that I do have a partner who believes in me and was willing to take, you know, all kinds of risks to make this happen. But number one, not everybody has that. Number two, not everybody comes from a background where they can have that. I do have significant student loan debt. There was no way without my now husband that this was going to happen without his support because his, his service in the military allows him to have no student loan debt. Mine's more than my mortgage. Like, 
there's no way. And most people will not be able to do that because the cost of going to school nowadays is ridiculous. And that's a whole other issue that we need to like. It's cyclical. You see this, you, everyone listening right now, I want you to be, to be picturing the cycle of good people who could change these things, like actually fucking fund education and deal with student debt. The people who could change that can't because they're blocked by those very systems. So like get out there and burn shit down people. All right, not really. I just give it, I just wrote someone negative campaign ad. You should not actually burn. Correct. Listen, please don't actually. No, don't, don't do it. Um, So I, we want to thank you so much. State Senator Amanda Capaletti, hero, an amazing badass for being with us today. I I have it right here. Listen, Um, (laughs) I got your backup, whatever, fine. Uh, We so appreciate you coming and talking to us and uh, engaging in how utterly ridiculous we are. No, you guys are fabulous. Keep uh, keep going. You guys keep those of us that are in office going with your badassery, your vocalness, and I just like I love you guys. You guys inspire me to just keep going when you know I'm being hysterical about something. I just like stop being hysterical, Amanda. Keep going. That's Always be hysterical, Amanda. I can't always be being hysterical. Yes. Stay hysterical. <laughs> what? Go. go. Talk. Oh, do your freaking thing, lady. I'm sorry. You're the birthday closer. Listen, we got to close it up with some events. Thursday, May 13th, there's a free online event talking about plastic reduction that's hosted by the Delaware Riverkeeper Network. May 25th, that's Tuesday, May 25th, um, at King of Prussia, there will be a George Floyd Black Lives Matter Memorial Rally. There will be the fifth annual Gettysburg Pride the weekend of June 4th. And on the topic of Pride, additionally, we've got uh, Sunday, June 6th, Pancakes for Pride at the York Jewish Community Center. I've never wanted to be in York more. I'm not kidding very jealous. And of course, we have to give some shout outs because, uh, you know, last episode we had launched our Patreon. And um, so we got to shout out our new subscribers. So thank you so much to Chris Ellis, Sean Kitchen, Ryan Morton, Kathy Sicker, Don Best, Lissa Geiger-Shulman, Kevin Mahoney, and Janice Walsh. Oh my God. Thank you all so much Lisa Janice so listen hmm. remember join us on Patreon uh, because number one you join us before May 25th you get that sticker you can check it out it's on our Twitter it's so cute Lindsay designed it and we love it Um, and additionally if you join at the $5 a month or above level then you get to be in our private discord server where we are as ridiculous as we are now but just like all the time um so we love that so finally just many 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 thanks to our special guest witch state senator amanda capoletti to katie bloom laura burke shanna danielson and of course our mysterious and delightful producer dr ack i have been jillian Kratzer. don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at the night caucus subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your pods and of course Don't forget to join our community by becoming a Patreon supporter. 
I believe my, my line is now, Dr. Ack, please stop fucking recording.